0: Good morning, church. Okay, so we're in Mark 1, 29 through 30 time. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. (laughs) She began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of God.
1: Thank you, God. Thank you, Charlie. She's off the hook. She didn't know I was going to walk behind her and grab that extra mic. Um, Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, It's good to be back. For those of you who I don't know, who I haven't got to meet yet, my name is Ryan Owens. I'm one of the pastors here. You got to meet Brian earlier. Um, God has uh, blessed us with the opportunity to, to lead and shepherd Redeemer, and so we're grateful to do that. Um, we're grateful to see all of you here this morning. Um, so some of you know me. Some of you know a little bit about me. Some of you probably picked up from Brian's jokes that I'm a Cowboys fan, which means you probably also know that I spend most of my life disappointed in sports um, but there's a lot more to me than just being a disappointed Cowboys fan, which is just a Cowboys fan. Um, you might know that I have a wife and four kids. You might know uh, that I love science, that I was a science teacher. Hopefully, you've picked on uh, what, picked up on what I do for a living by now. Um, man, that's two jokes that have landed. I'm, I'm setting you up, man. Um Many of you know that I probably, that many of you probably know that I grew up here uh, and that I used to play golf at Central. A lot of you know a lot about me. Some of you may not know that for 11 years I've, um, man, I didn't, in my practice, this didn't make me emotional. For 11 years uh, I've suffered with an autoimmune disease. This was unexpected. (laughs) Um, I've suffered with lupus for 11 years, and I don't talk about this often, which is probably why I'm emotional about it. Uh, I I really, this is actually the first time I've ever talked about it on stage. So you can understand uh, the emotion there, but I don't talk about this often. But in reading Mark 1, 29 through 39, I felt some emotion. That I had to share, because I I I knew that at least a dozen of you, probably more, might feel the same emotion when we read this passage. Um, Normally, for those of you who do know me, you you would see this little bit of practicing prayer, and you might think, "Oh, Ryan's definitely going to preach on prayer and presence with the Father. That's what I like to do. That's what I do often." Um, And if you uh, pay attention to our sermons, most of our applications have to do with prayer. Prayer is a cultural pillar of Redeemer. I started my week that way. I started my week talking about prayer, presence with the Father, and I had this like drawn out practice of prayer that we were going to do together that we're still going to do, but it's a little bit shorter. Um, The Spirit had different plans. This morning, the Spirit led me, throughout the week, as the week went on, the Spirit led me this morning to focus in on the healing nature of Jesus, the healing ministry of Jesus. Because the emotion that I felt, the question that I kept pondering, having asked Jesus for the past 11 years for healing, is why doesn't Jesus heal me? If you notice in the first portion of this passage, Jesus heals Uh, Simon's mother, and then great crowds come on the testimony of others to receive healing for themselves, and he heals them. But then in the second half, Jesus says no to some people. There's a crowd of people waiting at the door again to be healed, and Jesus says, no, we've got other things to do. We've got to go preach the gospel. We'll be back. So why does Jesus say yes to some and no to others. Why does Jesus say no to me? Have you ever felt that? Maybe you've been praying for someone else to receive healing, and you, you've been praying for years and wondered, why hasn't Jesus healed them? I want to say, there's a couple of, of things that I want to say on the front end so that they're not distractions on the, on the way through. No does not mean Never. Jesus does say no to some people. He does not say never. He comes back to Capernaum. He heals people. There's a man that Jesus heals two times in stages. Jesus has promised that he will heal, and he does heal. And so we keep asking. No does not mean never. It means not yet. Okay? I also want to be clear um, Because I've heard this a lot. Have have you ever heard, um, if you had a little more faith, you ever heard that? You could be healed if you just believed a little bit more. You could be healed if your faith was enough. Have you heard that? Has that broken your heart? Has that made you feel shame, make you feel like you're not enough, like you're doing something wrong so that Jesus won't say yes to you? Brothers and sisters, that is not how Jesus acts. That is not how Jesus treats us. He's a God of mercy and compassion. And when he says no, he doesn't mean never. It's just not yet. His plans and his purposes are bigger than we can see. Okay? We can trust him to say not yet. And if he says not yet, it's not your fault. You're off the hook. Whether or not Jesus heals you has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with his divine wisdom, with his divine purpose and his divine power, okay? All right. So where we're going this morning, if you've wondered that question, why doesn't Jesus heal me? Or why doesn't Jesus heal them? We've got two answers. Jesus does heal and Jesus will heal Okay, that may seem a little confusing. We'll explain here in just a second. Jesus does heal and Jesus will heal. Okay, Jesus does heal. What, what I mean by that is that Jesus right now, there's no not yet to this. This is a automatic yes. Right now, Jesus offers healing that is substantially more valuable than physical healing. He does offer physical healing but he offers us the healing and the salvation of our souls when we believe in him. His death on the cross made us right before God and his resurrection from the grave secured eternal life with him. And all we have to do is accept that. And he offers us healing for our souls right now. Jesus does heal. Also, Jesus will heal Physical suffering has a time limit. Brian and I were praying on Wednesday. This was the most emotional part of my week, believe it or not. It wasn't five minutes ago. Um, We were sitting in in my office Wednesday praying, praying over uh, the church, praying over this message, praying um, just for all of you. And I asked that question, Jesus, why have you not healed me? And I asked it again, and again, and again, and again, and then I just sat and listened. And there's this like Holy Spirit presence speaking to you that's not audible. It can be audible, but most of the time when the Spirit speaks to me, it's just like this unignorable knowledge. And I felt the Spirit say, it won't always be this way. Physical suffering has a time limit, okay? Now, If Jesus says no, remember it's not never, it's not yet. By the power of the Holy Spirit, through the church, Jesus still heals people today. I've felt it, I've seen it, I've heard testimonies of it. Jesus still heals. But we're also promised that when Jesus finally comes back for us and brings us into redemption, and he's gonna make our bodies brand new. He's gonna make our minds brand new so that we get to live with him forever. Jesus does heal. Jesus will heal. Now let's look at, at verse 30. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. They immediately went to Simon's house right after synagogue and when they got there, they immediately told Jesus about Simon's mother. And he came to her. And he picked her up by the hand. And he lifted her up. And immediately, her fever went away. This word immediately and phrases that allude to the same um, pace show up frequently through Mark. Right here, there's a cluster of them. It's, it's to give us the urgency, the immediacy, the desperation of the moment. that the, Jesus declares the kingdom's come, now what? The kingdom's coming. And part of that promise from Isaiah 61 that the kingdom comes is physical healing. And so Jesus immediately goes to Simon's house, immediately they tell him about Simon's mother-in-law, and immediately he heals her. That's, the, that's true for some of us, that Jesus immediately will heal us. Um, that fever that they mention in, in the, the rabbinic tradition, there's this uh, ritual that they practice. They'll tie a knife to a basket by like a braid of hair, and then they'll repeat some things and say some prayers and say some scriptures, and hopefully the fever goes away. This was a tradition that was common uh, in first century uh, Capernaum, Um, And so you can imagine that Simon, uh, I might also call Simon Peter on accident. This text says Simon, Simon Peter is the same person. Um, And so just to be clear. So you can imagine that Simon and his wife and and the family have probably uh, maybe multiple times invited the rabbi in to to perform this tradition to to try to relieve uh, Simon's mother-in-law's fever. They're asking God. It's not like this witchcraft thing. This, it, they're asking God for healing. Uh, and, and God continues to say, not yet. And so Jesus comes. Remember the, the moment that we're in? It's Sabbath. Jesus had just cast a demon out of a man in the Sabbath while he was preaching. They immediately go to Simon's house because on Sabbath... The Jews were only allowed to walk. It was like a kilometer, I think, was this uh, distance they were allowed to walk because you weren't allowed to do any work on Sabbath. It was a day for rest and worship. So you can walk to the synagogue and walk right back. Can't go anywhere else. So they immediately go back to the house. Um, it, It would be like saying... On Sunday morning, you can come to church and then go home. You can't go to lunch, can't go to a friend's house, can't go to a football game, can't do anything. Now, we're not under those laws. So you're free to go to roses after the business meeting. Um, we're not under those laws. In this time, we have to get our minds there. I'm, I'm trying to help you get into the story. They're waiting. They can't ask another rabbi to come until Sabbath ends. She's still got this fever. And Jesus walks in, he comes to Simon's mother-in-law, he grabs her hand, and he lifts her up. The fever is gone. The Son of God, full of compassion and mercy, heals this sick woman, and he raises her up. Hold on to that image, and let's look, follow me over to verse 32 We're gonna gonna look at these two stories right next to each other. Remember, it's Sabbath. The day's winding down. Late afternoon, they're probably eating dinner. And right as the sun sets, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Remember, this was based on the testimony of the demon-oppressed man at synagogue. And the whole city was gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, um, in this moment, Jesus just preached at synagogue. He came back. He healed uh, Simon's uh, mother-in-law. The day's winding down. They can't go anywhere. No one can come to them until sundown sundown is the end of Sabbath. This is another way to say, and immediately, as soon as they could, the crowds came to Jesus. And as Mark is writing, Mark is written on the testimony of Peter, uh, Simon Peter. That's why we get a lot of first-person stories from Peter. Peter tells Mark to write down, it's like the whole city was at the door. And this isn't a tiny little, you know, couple hundred-person village. This is a, a few thousand at least coming to the door to receive healing. They already knew about Jesus' healing ministry because in verse 28 it says, At once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region. That happened that afternoon. For it to say at once means right as synagogue let out. On the way home, everybody told all their friends about this that afternoon time or uh, word travels quickly even when tiktok is not an option now there's so many people at the door jesus heals it says that jesus heals many that's just another way to, to say like he didn't turn anyone away now, i want to point out the healing of jesus is indiscriminate this is in support of of uh, the statement I made that if someone tells you that it's because you don't have enough faith, um, that's a lie. Brian helped us understand last week that Jesus wouldn't let the demons speak because the power of their words could deceive people away from trusting God, away from recognizing Jesus as Messiah. So Jesus would not permit them to speak in order to take away their authority. Whenever, Jesus, whenever these people come to Jesus and he heals indiscriminately, what he's doing is he's saying that um, there's no filter. There's no like, hold on, let's see, did you repent and believe first? So for someone to say it takes more faith for you to be healed, that's, that's causing you to distrust Jesus. It, it actually is doing the reverse from what it's claiming because it's saying that you have the power to do something, even that you have the ability to increase your faith, which is not true. So when we read this and we understand Jesus is healing indiscriminately, he heals the repentant and the unrepentant, okay? That frees us up just to ask him and not feel shame, not feel burdened that we don't have enough faith. And so when, when many of us, myself included, come to Jesus and ask for healing, We can trust that if he says no, he doesn't mean never. He just means not yet. We can trust that it has nothing to do with the measure of our faith, but the wisdom of God to know a better time. We can trust that if Jesus does not heal our bodies yet, that he's still good. He's still merciful and compassionate and gracious to us. And I, I do, I want to share that over the last 11 years, I, countless times I've asked God for healing. And I've asked God for healing for my family members, and he said not yet. And what that has done for my soul is to remember where I go to when I have need. Who do I draw near to when I'm hurting when lupus is causing me suffering that's hard for me to endure in the moment where do i turn i don't just turn on the tv and try to get distracted away because that doesn't actually work i don't have to get angry at god for this disease i can trust him that's not it's not as easy as it sounds it sounds easy because it's just simply stated that's not easy It is as big of a challenge as it feels. But for the last 11 years, coming to Jesus again and again and again and again to ask for healing, my faith has increased. That's not something I've done. That's what the Holy Spirit has done in me. But coming to him again has drawn me closer to him. So if Jesus says not yet, we can trust that his plans are better than ours, his knowledge and wisdom is better than ours, but also he's still good and he still wants us to come to him. Through praying for healing, I've learned to pray. Let's look at verse 35. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, very early in the morning. That's like the fourth watch Sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., rising very early in the morning. While it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Some translations may use the word wilderness. Um, This region that Jesus is in was pretty cultivated. There wasn't a whole lot of, like, dry, desolate, um, don't spend too much time out there, or you may get dehydrated and die kind of wilderness, this was actually more or less pretty lush. It was farmland. There was uh, vegetation there. So when it talks about him going to a dark and desolate place, that means he got away from the people. He went by himself. For us, it's like, find a closet, a cabin, or a car, and just get away. Be alone with the Father. That's what Jesus went to go do. And we notice in this uh, Few verse paragraph, um, and then we look behind us at all the, the chapter one of Mark, we see this rhythm that Jesus lives in, this rhythm of life that's centered on prayer, right? He starts out in the wilderness and then he goes. To John the Baptist to get baptized. And then he goes back out into the dark and desolate places to be tempted and give, given strength by the Father. And then he goes back out into Capernaum to heal and to preach the good news. And then he goes back in to prayer. And then he goes back out to preach the gospel. Do you see this rhythm? Praying, celebrating, praying, preaching, praying, healing, praying, Going. Do we see that? This rhythm of Jesus. Now, if we are Christians, we also call ourselves Jesus followers. That means we do follow him. We follow his example. We can't do it perfectly. We confess that Jesus is the only perfect human. But we do follow him because he's the epitome of human flourishing. He came to show us what real humanity is like, and so we follow in his example, and we depend on him when we don't measure up. We thank him for his grace and forgiveness, that it doesn't matter if we fail. He still calls us to follow him, okay? So because the Christian life is a life following Jesus, we're going to practice prayer this morning. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna model this for you. I'm, I'm gonna ask you to practice this right now. Um, it's gonna be awkward, just lean into it, all right? The best thing to do with awkwardness is lean into it. Nobody is too cool to talk to Jesus this morning, all right? So we're gonna practice this, this prayer, and, and I, I wanna practice it because I wanna give you something to take home, to go to your dark and desolate places, okay? Now, whatever it was at the beginning of the sermon when I was talking about um, we all are suffering, we all have something that we need healing for, probably where some of us, maybe all of us are asking, why hasn't Jesus healed me, or why hasn't Jesus healed this person that I'm thinking about? Think about that suffering. Think about that pain. If you need to close your eyes, that's fine. I'll, I'll pretend not to look at you. Think, get that in your mind, whether that's physical body pain, whether it's anxiety, depression, PTSD, whatever the suffering is, get your mind in that space. Feel the emotions that you feel when you think about that. Pray on behalf of, of someone else. Consider what they are feeling in their suffering. Maybe uh, you, you're having dreams or nightmares. That's suffering. That's pain that Jesus has promised to heal. Maybe you're suffering. You don't know what to call it or label it. You just know that it's suffering. We don't, we don't have to be specific. We can still ask for healing. Consider this. Get this in your mind. Now begin By inviting Jesus into your suffering. Invite him in to your pain. And this is what we mean when we say lay it at Jesus' feet. This is what we mean when we say um, carry his yoke. Put your burdens on him. Invite him into your pain and your suffering and just be honest. Tell him what it is that you're feeling. Tell him the pain that you're experiencing. He knows it, but this is an opportunity for you to be honest with him. invite Jesus into your suffering and your pain. Okay now let's take let's take a minute just to ask. Jesus, will you please heal me? I believe that you are God. I believe that you are creator. I believe that you have created my body. You have designed it. You know it well. You've knit me together in my mother's womb. You know all of my inner parts and you have the power to heal them. Jesus, would you please heal me? Confess to Jesus that you trust him to heal you. Confess to Jesus if you don't trust him. Confess that to him. Ask him to heal you and if his answer is not yet keep asking keep coming okay i'm going to give you guys a minute and you can you can take this type of prayer home with you you can teach it to others whatever you do keep praying this isn't just for uh, physical healing. This is just a way to invite Jesus into the moment we're in. If we're anxious, if there's something that's really stressing you out about a moment, maybe you're feeling shame and guilt for something, you can, you can take this prayer and apply it to anything. Okay. Okay. Let's look at uh, verse 31. I have have one more thing to point out. Verse 31, Jesus comes into Simon's house. He came and took Simon's mother-in-law. He took her by the hand and he lifted her up. That phrase, lifted her up, and in some translations it might say raised her up. That phrase is the same phrase that the angel uses in Matthew 28 when the disciples come to the tomb of Jesus after he's um, been crucified, buried, they come to the tomb to visit him and the angel says, he's not here. He has risen. It's the same phrase that the angel uses to describe the resurrection of Jesus. It's also the same phrase that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 6.14 when he says, just as God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, so he will raise us from the dead. Now let me describe to you from 1 Corinthians 15 that resurrection. Because the healing ministry of Jesus in the New Testament, specifically here in Mark 1, is anticipating the ultimate healing the ultimate restoration of our bodies and our souls in the resurrection to come. And I, I point this out specifically because what's going to happen in like two and a half or three weeks, I don't know what time it is anymore, Easter, when we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together as we anticipate the resurrection of our own bodies and souls with him, as we celebrate what Jesus has done for us on the cross and the power of God has done for us in the empty tomb. So let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15:53 through 57. This is this is incredible. The promise here. He starts out the passage in verse 51, "Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed." Verse 53, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written. So not yet, but then in the resurrection, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a promise that we have that our bodies will be healed. Ultimately, someday, yes. But Jesus lives in his church today and offers healing for his church today. And so when Jesus comes declaring the good news that we talked about in Mark 1, that the first words of Jesus that Mark shares with us, the kingdom is at hand, the time is fulfilled, repent and believe the good news. This good news that hinges on Isaiah 61, which is where the the thrust of what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians 15 comes from is Isaiah 61. The thrust of this good news of Jesus is that our souls are saved and healed in him. The gospel also includes the fact that our bodies can be healed in Jesus, that he offers us mercy and compassion through healing even today, even while we wait for him to come back for us. Now, we believe, at Redeemer, we believe that the Holy Spirit does, can, does, and will give us the gift of healing. That he does heal bodies today. Yes, through modern medicine. I, I truly believe modern medicine is a grace of God, a common grace. But I also, we also believe that the Holy Spirit moves in such ways in his church that physical healing can be also be miraculous. So um, Brian and I have been praying for this. We've been praying that our church would experience more of the Holy Spirit, that, that God would give us more of his Spirit. Uh, and so here in, in a few minutes, we're going to um, go into our next couple of songs. Before we do that, I want to go back to Mark one twenty eight. Um, It's not in our passage. It's the very end of the previous passage. It says the fame of Jesus spread all throughout the region that afternoon, right? It was on the testimony of the people that saw the healing at the synagogue that the fame of Jesus and his healing ministry spread throughout all the region. And on that testimony, the faith of a people was increased to come to Jesus for healing. And so uh, Brian and I got an opportunity to meet with uh, the Journey Bible Church's former associate pastor, Les Smith. And Les is here with us this morning. And I've asked Les to share with us some testimonies of people that have experienced healing. Um, This is why I awkwardly walked behind Charlie to get this microphone earlier. Um, Les is going to give us a couple of stories. Listen, he's got stories of people that experience incredible healings. He's got stories of people that have not experienced healing but it was still an incredible story. So he's gonna share a couple of those.
2: Thank you. So um, in October, I was at a hotel in Ethiopia, and I walked in and the hotel manager had a back brace on. And I had seen a man get the hotel manager of that hotel get healed two years earlier of back injury. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. Another, it was a different hotel manager who has back issues as well. So I asked if I could pray for him while our team was checking into the hotel. And I just said, hey, can I pray with you? Can I just declare healing over your body? He said, yes, yes, I'm a believer. I I believe in this. And so just a simple prayer of of, uh, thanking God for healing in his body. And I told him to test it. Um, You know, Jesus had picked her up as we saw the mother-in-law of Peter. She had to take some action. So we asked, you know, test it, see if it was better. He said, yeah, it's a little better. So I prayed one more time. He said, "This, yeah, it's good. It's good. And that was about all I got out of him. Well, a couple days later, I checked on him. I said, hey, how's your back doing? He said, it's amazing. It's great. It's totally fine. He said, that night I went to my room at home. He said, I had the back brace on and I was just saying, God, I want your healing. And he said, God spoke to me. You're healed. At that point, he took the back brace off and was completely healed in the presence of his own room. And he shared that testimony. I have it recorded of him sharing the healing power of Jesus. His back had been hurt for years. From an injury, He starts picking up tables in the lobby of the hotel telling me how God has brought this healing to his life. Amazing story. Real briefly, I was in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico with one of the local Baptist churches and we were there. And it, before I ministered one night, a lady came up and said, I've had a stroke. Part of my body doesn't work. I want prayer. I said, all right, well, service is about to start. Let's pray at the end. So we had uh, the worship service, had the preaching. And at the end, she came for prayer. I had a translator. We prayed. She immediately felt better and had more mobilization. I want to tell you, she came back the next night. She was jumping and dancing. I've got her testimony on video that the power of God healed from stroke. Now, I've never done that. I've never seen that. I was very nervous to pray for her. But she asked me to do that, so I couldn't turn that down. Well, my translator got to see that, so the translator's sister wanted prayer for her foot. It was messed up. I said, well, you've seen what's happened. You have the power of God in you. You pray for your sister. She laid hands on her sister's foot, and her sister's foot got healed immediately. God is working and doing those things amazingly. I came back, um, was doing a Bible study in Washington, D.C. with some African uh, people from Eritrea, and we were looking at Luke chapter 10, and it talks about healing, that that Jesus sent out the 70 to go heal the sick. And the the African people said, we have a neighbor who has cancer. Can she be prayed for? Cancer, I've never prayed for cancer. I said, yes, according to the scripture, we can pray for her. So they go and get this lady that has cancer and swollen abdomen and tumors all over. And we pray and instantly the, the swelling in her abdomen goes down. The bruising disappears over the next few hours and she gets a touch from God. I was sharing these stories with a friend of ours in the Dallas area. She said, whoa, that's amazing. My knee hurts. Can we pray for my knee? I said, yeah, let's do that. So I laid hands on her knee. Immediately, her knee quit hurting. As you've heard this morning, God is still in the business of his healing power. But I want to tell you something. You might be thinking, what if it doesn't work? I want to tell you, our whole group prayed for a lady in Mexico. There was about 20 of us. We went to her home. They fed us, and she had some type of fibromyalgia, pain all over her body. We prayed for her loved on her, and at the end of that, she felt no better. And with tears in her eyes, she said, "'Thank you so much for coming to be with me. "'You have encouraged me more than you will ever know. "'God sent you here to encourage me.'" Her body felt no better, but she was supernaturally encouraged by the body of Christ coming together to touch, to pray with her. And then just last week in India on a virtual trip, uh, we were doing a mission trip to India uh, through the computer, And there was a lady that had bad knees, and she wanted prayer, so we prayed for her. She didn't feel any better at the time. She came back the next day, and I didn't ask how she felt, and she volunteered. My knees don't feel any better, but I know Jesus Christ now, and I've experienced a love I've never had, so it's okay that my knees hurt because I've got to walk with God Almighty. So yes, God heals, but I want to tell you, we encourage people when when there's not that healing, the love of God is still poured out into their lives, and they're blessed as a result of it. Yeah, thank you, Les.
1: Um, so, natural transition. We're going to go into a time of worship and communion. Um, we've got two songs at the end of our service today, uh, and there's no time limit on those. Uh, we'll just be however long uh, the Spirit has for us to be, and if we need to make a rapid transition into business meeting after that, we're not worried about that. Um, just be in this moment. Take communion. Uh, we're going to have people in the back praying, available to pray for you, if you'd like to come to them and, and ask Jesus for healing. I do want to point out, I love the way that, that Les um, positioned himself in those stories. It, was, it wasn't about Les. Les is going to be back there praying. Um, but it's not about the power of Les. It's about the power of God and the Holy Spirit, that Jesus chooses to heal. And so when you go to whoever you go to in the back, if, you're, if that's what you're going to do this morning, um, know that you're not coming to a person, you're coming to God. We are joining you in asking for healing. And so um, we're going we're gonna to move into a time of, of communion, of worship, and prayer um, like I said before, Brian and I have been asking for the Spirit to fall in this church, to build us up in love and unity. And it's no mistake that the Holy Spirit led me away from focusing on prayer to focus on healing through this sermon. And so we trust Him to answer. Uh, we trust Him um, that to meet you in the moment that you're in and bring healing to your, your body and your soul. And so... Uh, We want to encourage you to come and ask Jesus for healing. Now, for communion, we've got tables in the back, um, both sides. We've got a table here to the right of stage. Remember, church, that uh, Jesus endured suffering and death in order for you to be healed. Jesus endured the cross and entered into death on our behalf so that your soul could be healed and saved. And for the church, we are the people that say yes, that we accept this offering, this sacrifice, we repent, and we believe. And so we take the bread and the cup to remember what Jesus has done for us. We remember his death, we remember his resurrection, and we anticipate and long for his coming to us again. Let us celebrate Jesus together as a church this morning. Now, if you are not a Christian, if you have not turned from your sin and turned to trust in Jesus, instead of taking communion, would you please take this moment to pray? What's stopping you from accepting Jesus this morning? Take this moment to pray. We're gonna have people in the back. You can pray with them. but what is stopping you? Take this moment to consider. Jesus freely offers you the salvation and the healing of your soul. And all you have to do is accept. Band, would you come up? Um, we're gonna move into this time of, of communion and prayer and worship. Uh, remember, we've got some people in the back to pray. If you wanna ask Jesus for salvation, if you wanna ask Jesus for healing, I'm gonna go ask him. Um, Would you join me? Holy Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for the mercy that you've given us in your Son. Thank you for the healing power that you give to your church through your Holy Spirit. God, we trust that if you tell us no, you're saying not yet. We trust that that we can come to you again and again and ask for healing in the name of Jesus. God, we... We come to you and we ask for your grace and your mercy and compassion on us. God, and we pray for the salvation of souls this morning that you would heal those who have not turned from their sin and turn to you. Holy Spirit, would you soften hearts? Would you bring us the healing of our souls and our bodies? We love you. Amen.